The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So I hope you all are enjoying reading through Scripture. Um, I just want to make, an, as, as we were talking in, on Wednesday night in our house church, uh, just want to encourage you, if you've missed a few days or you haven't started, and just, I would encourage you, don't think, oh man, I've got to make up 50 chapters today. I mean, you could do that while you're ice skating, but um, could be dangerous. Um, I would encourage just start. Don't, it's just it is such an exciting journey. Um, so find out what day we're on. We're on day twenty-one. Just start today, and uh, start reading and uh, sharing with each other. So I received an an email from one of you, um, and I thought it might be similar to what others of you are thinking. And so this is just a, a little clip from it. Here are some of my honest thoughts that have gone through my mind as I've started reading through the Bible. It's so long. (laughs) Concubines? And I don't have any of those. um, 700 years old? I can't even pronounce the names. This God does not look familiar. And then I put a little uh, addition. We could also add our own long list. You could probably say, a man wrestling with God, flooding the world, the Tower of Babel, slaughtering people. Uh, This God doesn't look familiar. And so she continued, well, halfway through Genesis, and after a fair bit of head scratching, I realized something. In my limited perspective, I was trying to see the God of Noah, of Abraham, of Jacob through the eyes of my own place and time. I kept thinking, how is this the same God? He does not seem like Jesus at all. And maybe that's what some of you are thinking. Um, and so the question as we, as we we're going to kind of take a smorgasbord of scriptures this morning. Um, The question I want to ask is, how are we to read these ancient writings, and they're old, right? How are we to read these ancient writings that claim to be the very words of God? And um, this is my simple suggestion. As, as we read it, I would encourage you to read with these eyes. Um, and it's very simple. I'd encourage you to read looking for Jesus. Uh, and, 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 and to see this panorama starting from Genesis all the way through Revelation as a book that is to reveal to us Jesus. Um, our need of him and so as, as we're going to begin to come into some really challenging verses pretty soon in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and that our need of him and our hope in him and, and how 
all of these things point us to him, our need of him and our hope in him. Just a few things. I mean, he's the descendant of Eve who will crush the head of the serpent. He's the descendant of Abraham through whom all the people of the earth will be blessed and and of whom uh, Paul says in Galatians that when those words were spoken to Abraham, it was the gospel being proclaimed to him in advance. Isn't that something? Uh, He's the angel of the Lord who appears to Hagar and who wrestles with Jacob. He's the one who walks with Enoch and Noah and Abraham. He's the one who... Uh, in Exodus chapter 3 is the I am. And we know that because Jesus in John chapter 8, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And, And the religious leaders take up stones to stone him because he is directly saying that that individual in Exodus chapter 3, that's me. He's the Passover lamb. The one who, when John the Baptist saw him approaching, John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the rock. And and as we move into the sacrifices and the festivals, he's the one that all those sacrifices and festivals are picturing and portraying. He's Jesus. And so I encourage you to just to, to look with anticipation to see Jesus. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to trace one little thread. We're going to start at Exodus chapter 16, which is in the middle of our reading. And we're going to trace one little thread to give us a glimpse of what I'm talking about this morning. Uh, And what you could call it is through the Bible in 30 minutes or three hours, depending on how long it takes. Um, that was a joke, okay? That was 30 minutes, or I'd get in trouble. Just before we start reading, there's, there's two verses I want to read for you that I think are really important because as we see a lot of the pictures and symbols and, and uh, as we read through, listen to these verses in 1 Corinthians 9, 9 and 10. They're really helpful. It says... For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And you say, wow, that's, that's really, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. But listen, it says, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. And so as we read and and we see pictures and images and illustrations, remember that to look for Jesus in those things. So the big question as we begin Exodus chapter 16 is what is God trying to teach the Israelites and us through manna, okay? And that's what we're gonna, that's where we're gonna start here in Exodus chapter 16. And the heart of it, as we start here, as we end up in the New Testament, I think the simple idea is this, we need Jesus. 
as much as, no, more than food. We need him. And, and that's where we're going to begin here. Is it, it's, not, it's not what we crave after in our flesh that we think we need, but it's God is at the heart of who we really need and ultimately in the person of Jesus. So let's start reading. This is Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. And this place couldn't have been named any better because that's what they did all the time. Um, they sinned. And it's between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The incredible thing about this is if this is chapter 16. If you look back to the end of chapter 15, just a few days before, I mean, Miriam and the lady, they're dancing and praising God for because he just delivered them out of Egypt and they're just thanking him. And then they grumble and then he provides. And it's just this cycle. And so they're in the desert and the whole community is grumbling against Moses and Aaron. And they say, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Man, we miss being slaves. There we sat around the pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, they've, they've been delivered from slavery and now they're complaining because they're hungry. And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And you've heard about raining cats and dogs. This is like raining loaves of bread, you know. God says, you're going to have loaves of bread, just not really. but into So the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And that's a key phrase. What God is about to do in providing them for their hunger He's going to do it in a way to test them and see where they're really at and what they really are looking to, what they're really depending upon. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? And Moses said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. And keep in mind, we're talking millions of people here. <laughs> we're talking millions of people and God is saying in the morning you will be filled with bread as much as you can eat. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Wait a minute. We went backwards. Okay. <laughs> He's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. So Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. So while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. I mean, if anything, this, the glory of the Lord appearing to them should just wake them up and make them realize 
this is God. <laughs> and God is good. And, and God has done incredible things for us, delivering us from slavery in Egypt. And he can do anything. And he will do anything. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. And in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. I mean, this is miraculous, right? Quail, they covered the camp, <laughs> unlimited food, and in the morning, there was this layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, and literally what they said in, in Hebrew is ma'na. I mean, it's what is it? Ma'na. They didn't know what it was. And that's where we get the, the name manna. Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer. And omer is two quarts. So take two quarts for each person you have in your tent and the Israelites did as they were told that's a lot of manna two quarts per person and we're talking maybe three million people some gathered much some little and when they measured it by the omer the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little everyone they had what they needed isn't that amazing I mean, what God is showing them I will provide for you. You can trust me. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. And this is where the test begins. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. They were told not to do that. And it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. This is what they were told to do because the seventh day was the Sabbath day when they were to rest. So they were to gather a gallon of manna for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. So whatever is left and keep it until morning. And so they did that, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it like it did every other day. So eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, you could expect this. Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. They didn't gather double on the sixth day, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. And the, the point of the Sabbath was for the people to know that God was the one who provides for them. They could rest on the seventh day and God would provide for them. They didn't have to work seven days. 
So everyone is to stay where they're on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. So the people of Israel called the bread manna, meaning literally, what is it? It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. I think a little, just a little hint of the land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised to bring them into the land of Canaan. And so Moses said, verse 32, this is what the Lord has commanded, take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. You know, the, the question is, why manna and why in this way? How was God testing them? You know, the point is, it, it, it's about more than manna. The manna was pointing them to something bigger. It wasn't manna that they were dependent upon for life. It was God. It was God who the ones that provide and, and God who was the one that was going to take care of them. I mean, think of the ways that God could have provided for them. He could have had wild food growing in the desert that as they wandered along, they just, they picked from the wild oats or the wild wheat. Or, um, there could have been manna available just all the time with no restrictions, no stipulations, no instructions, just eat up, it's there, it's available. But God is, is about teaching them about who really provides for them and, and what their need really is. I mean, there could have been gift cards laying around in the desert for Safeway or Fred Meyer, but God chose to do it this way. Deuteronomy 8, as we continue on, this is a, this is a good verse that explains what happened. Jesus, I mean, God says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. This is through Moses um, instructions given to the second generation who are about ready to enter the land of Canaan. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. And why? to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, notice, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Manna was a means for leading them to recognize that their need was God as their provider and their deliverer. It was to test them to see what was in their hearts. You know, I wonder if, if we were going through this test right now, what God would see in our hearts. And, and what we look to or who we look to as our provider and our deliverer. If we're like the Israelites who are constantly grumbling and doubting and complaining instead of just trusting God, 
confident that he's our, our provider. Interesting wording that it ends there. Do you, did you, you notice that wording there? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know where, where that appears? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. It's the same thing we see Jesus as we move into the New Testament. Jesus is beginning his ministry and he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I think kind of a picture of the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, he becomes hungry. And the tempter comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, if you are the promised Messiah, if you're the one through whom all the families of the earth will be blessed, if you're the descendant of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent, I mean, all the prophecies, if you're that person, tell these stones to become bread. Prove who you are. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to go to John 6. We're going to just kind of quickly through as we trace this, we'll call it a culinary tour through the scriptures. In John chapter 6, Jesus is crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. He went up on a mountainside. He sat down with his disciples. The Passover was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Notice the wording. He asked this only to test him. It's kind of the same wording as we see in, right? in Exodus. For he had already had in mind what he was going to do. But he wanted to see what they would say. And Philip answered, it would take more than a half a year's wages to pay enough bread for each one to have a bite. And another one of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up and said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? There's no way we could provide for all these people. But Jesus says, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass. There were about 5,000 men, so maybe 10, 15,000 people. Notice the wording. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they want, and he did the same with the fish. And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the people saw the sign Jesus performed and they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Isn't that amazing? It, it's it's, these people are exactly the same as the Israelites in the Old Testament because what they see here is they see free food on demand. <laughs> they don't see the provider. They just see the provision and they're craving it. Luke chapter 22. 
we come to the Last Supper, and I want you to notice the similar wording. This is Jesus with his apostles just before he's ready to be crucified. And he says to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he distributed it to them saying and notice the transition the shift here this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me and Jesus here he shifts it and this whole picture of manna to where this whole picture from the very beginning has been pointing to him and ultimately himself and his body that's going to be given up for us so that we might in his body crucified on the cross have life in Jesus. Luke 24 Luke 24. Yeah. Oh, did I not give you that one? Okay. Oh, there we are. Jesus has risen from the dead. And it says that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And it, it actually says in verse 14, as they talked um, and discussed these things with each other, what had happened to Jesus, it said Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. That's, I didn't give you all the way through verse 16. <laughs> so these two guys are walking. Man, their lives have been shattered. Jesus has been crucified. They've heard that he's been risen from the dead. And as they're walking to this little town, Jesus comes up, but they're kept from recognizing him. We got verse 28, 31. As they approached the village, let me read it for you, to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So they went in to stay with him. And this is what I want you to see. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he distributed it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. No, they were prevented from recognizing him until he broke the bread, until he gave thanks and gave it to them. And because this bread, all the way back to man, is this representation of him who is the provision for our life. One more passage, just to wrap it up in John 16, that kind of brings it all together. John 6, 25. Notice, after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king so he could provide, him, provide them unlimited food for the rest of their lives, he disappears, they find him, they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus, he just cuts to the 
Chase, he said, I, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils. This isn't about food, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Our ancestors, notice the reference back to Exodus. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then just three more verses from John 6, starting at 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You know, what are we doing in in a few moments when we'll be uh, taking the bread and and drinking the cup? We will be agreeing that in Jesus' death, God provides life. Our, Our life isn't in the food we eat. We need that, but it's in God, the provider. Not just physical food, but everything we need and ultimately eternal life itself for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord if we, if we learn anything from Exodus chapter 16 and this tour through the Bible it's, it's got to be simply this life is in Jesus and all the things that we pursue that we think will give us life and provide us what we need and what we want and what we desire, the answer's in Jesus. Look to Jesus. Don't crave those other things. Look to Jesus. Life is in him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would use one of these scriptures, some of these scriptures that we've wandered through and would just give us hearts to want to know Jesus, hearts to hunger not for things that will temporarily satisfy but hearts that hunger after Jesus and the life that's in him. Amen.